right. Today, we've got Rohan Barnett. Rohan, thanks so much for making the time. Thank you very much for having me, Joe. All right. Uh, first question, refresh our memory. What have you been up to for the, or what were you doing before you went in SEAD? And what have you been up to for the last 20 years? Okay. So before INSEAD, I was working in technology. I was basically started after university as a computer programmer, got into project management um, in the travel industry, um, got disillusioned with the company I was working for and decided that I needed an MBA to become rich and famous. How, uh, how long were you at that job? Seven years. Okay. okay. Same yeah. company the whole time? Yep, pretty much. So I was one of the older I was about 30 when I entered, I think, the MBA, so slightly older than the average. All right. All right. Cool. And then, and then after INSEAD. Okay. So during INSEAD, we, um, some of you will remember that we worked on a few projects about a Mexican-themed, a Maya-themed chocolate company. Um, so we did that in the finance project and marketing project. And then I left, we left INSEAD. I got a job in London was very happy, but couldn't get this idea out of my head that, you know, would, would that project work? Would that concept of the chocolate company work? And I decided, well, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life if I don't try it. Okay. There's, there's, I appreciate the foreshadowing. Uh, let, let's go back. Was, was this like an idea you had uh, on your own and you sort of like introduced into these classes or did you stumble upon it through, during INSEAD? I stumbled upon it during INSEAD because I was walking the streets of Paris and I came across a chocolate shop that kind of inspired the idea that I had. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I couldn't get this idea out of my head that I'd love to try it and thought, well, look, if I don't try it, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. So um, let's, let's go for it. Um, we decided to start in Mexico because basically it was cheaper to fail. We figured we won't, won't spend so much money investing and our idea was to create this kind of che concept store and then create a pilot store and then maybe after a year when everything was all ironed out open you know a hundred stores or something um so my wife and i much to her resistance she's mexican mexican but she didn't want to return to mexico at all <laughs> um so we ended up we looked around in mexico in different places and decided to um try it out in Playa del Carmen, which is on the Caribbean coast. So it's a tourist area. We figured, you know, lots of European tourists go there, kind of be a good place to try out the concept and then maybe take it to Europe later was idea, our idea at the time. Um, okay, a couple, couple questions. Couple questions. Sorry, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you throughout the course of this conversation. Yeah, I hope you don't please mind. Do. Uh, how long after INSEAD, uh, it sounds like you, you had sort of a quote-unquote normal job post-MBA. How long did you spend doing that before you picked up and moved to, to Cancun? Yeah, basically it was in December of the same year we left INSEAD. So we left INSEAD in July, if I remember, and then in, um, worked in London for a few months. And in December, we, we packed up and moved to Mexico City with my wife's parents and looked around there. And uh, She's from Mexico City. And... Uh, we looked around Mexico, drove to a few different places. And then finally, I think our contract, we we rented a store in Playa del Carmen, um, which everybody told us was going to fail. It's still open. <laughs> um, Congratulations. And uh, and I think the rent started in April of, of uh, the, the year after INSEAD. So you didn't even last six months uh, with, 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 a, with a real job. <laughs> 
Uh, and I, I assume there's no industrial logic behind uh, Playa del Carmen. There's no like reason to be making chocolate there. Did you, in fact, even make chocolate there, or was the fabric the, the, the manufacturer somewhere else? So when when we started, we started kind of at the like from the marketing level down. So we started with a concept and then kind of worked backwards, introducing the steps or the processes necessary to actually create the product that we had in mind. Um, so we started off um, working with other partners and then slowly we've kind of increased the amount of the you know, supply chain that we handle. Um, so no, 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 no real logic. In fact, I would say if you're going to make a start a chocolate company, it's probably the worst place in the world because it's, um, <laughs> it's very hot most of the year. Chocolate doesn't like heat. Uh, it melts, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so certainly if we were going to go do it over, um, we definitely wouldn't have started, wouldn't, wouldn't do it there. Um, but, but we did and, uh, basically went through hell for two or three years, um, working really, really hard. We just had a baby. Um, she was about one years old. We had a baby during INSEAD. Um, so she was about one years old um, when we started the company. And then we had another one a few months after that. Um, so basically our life was be a parent for eight hours, work for eight hours alone because the other one was doing the opposite. <laughs> the other, the other you know, my wife was doing the opposite and then sleep for eight hours and, and have less money at the end of the day than we had when we started. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's 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 entrepreneurship on difficult mode. Uh, so and and, and yeah, t tell tell us what what work meant in the, does it mean manning the manning the store and yep, you know uh, yeah uh -huh. yeah so we you know we basically worked almost one hundred percent on sweat equity. We didn't have much money, obviously after INSEAD. Um, we'd spent I'd spent you know I had had you know fairly good savings going into INSEAD. Spent maybe half of those on INSEAD and. Then, another half left to um, hope last long enough to try to try out the business. Basically my aim was I'm never going to go less than enough money to buy a plane ticket back to Europe. That was my kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to get stuck in Mexico. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so we, the, basically the four of us, my wife, myself, and two infants lived in a single room. That was like a room with a bed and a kitchen and just a bathroom off of that. That was basically, um our living arrangement while we and we worked realizing how hard it was to actually run a coffee shop it seems very easy when you as a customer it seems very simple quite straightforward um but when we actually try to put it in practice it turns out there are thousands and thousands of little details to to get it right um one of the big things okay so it's, it's a little bit more than just selling selling chocolate you're you're you've got a little bit of a food service operation uh, as well yeah, it's basically, it's a, it's a, well, the idea was there's going to be like a, like a coffee shop, but focused on chocolate. Um, oh. And it turns out um, coffee is a lot more popular than chocolate. So we actually ended up selling a lot more coffee than chocolate. Um, that's one of the things we discovered along the way. And uh, yeah, so the, our first, our first big learning was it's actually not actually that easy to hire people. We thought, you know, we said, okay, we're gonna, only going to hire the best people. So we put out this ad to hire people. Um, one person came to interview. We hired that person. So and and he lasted and he lasted about three months. So uh, right right now we've you know we've grown to about a hundred people. So it's you know we've managed to figure stuff out. Um, basically, it's been twenty years of intense learning. I would say I thought INSEAD was intense learning, but I would say being an entrepreneur and 
doing it from the ground up without you know real financing has been a, a much bigger learning experience. I feel like you've skipped a few pieces of the story <laughs> by by just getting to a hundred people. Let's let, let, let's let's walk through. So we're, we're right now. You've got you're living in a in a in a studio, uh, work, working you know probably slinging cappuccinos with two small children. Uh, we're probably still seventeen years ago. Let's 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 go back to that point and, and walk us through how this thing. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably, it's probably, I'm probably going to be all over the place because it's hard, hard to remember chronologically. Seventeen years of history, yeah. But, but yeah, we had, we had three years of really struggling, kind of darkest periods of my life, um, and then slowly, suddenly, we were making a profit. Things started to look up. Like I remember that the first day we thought, okay, we can leave the store in the hands of our our team. We had two guys working there, um, so we went to a city about an hour away came back in the evening and found out the two guys were sitting there drinking beer <laughs> instead of working. That was kind of the, the, our early experiences. Now, fortunately, things... I want, have, I want to hear their side of the story, but, but carry on. <laughs> now, fortunately, things have got way, 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 way better. Um, so after about three years, we started making a profit. Um, so we started in 2003, 2004, I think. Um, 2008, finally... We kind of figured things were more or less under control, making good, you know, actually pretty good profits on the on the single store we had. Um, we decided to open. Well, and what, what was it? What, what, what was it that caused you to turn the corner profit wise? Was it just just you know awareness, or were you were a bunch of micro optimizations that you? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's never. Well, it wasn't one big thing. Every time we did something, a big thing, we thought, okay, we'll do this, and then suddenly we'll see a jump in our sales. But. <laughs> Nothing we did seemed to make any difference, but slowly, slowly, it kind of seemed to have a cumulative effect. And perseverance, um, perseverance is what is what. Yeah, yeah. So lots mm -hmm. of people start a business. I mean, in Plato Carbon, at least, we see businesses are open. They are open for six months and then they close, and that's you know that's way way we are in our experience at least way too short to know if something is going to work or not. Um, so where was hell? Oh, Two thousand and eight, we decided we'll we're, you know things are going pretty good. We're going to open another store. Um, and as the things turned out, we actually had the opportunity to open two stores in that year. So we opened two new stores and then came the financial crisis, which almost, almost bankrupted Oof. us. I mean, Lehman. Uh, same area, same area, still, still in the vicinity of Playa del Carmen, these, yep. these two yep. additional so we had, stores. We okay. had one, one store in Cancun and another store in Playa del Carmen, um, you know, 10 minutes walk from the, from the first store. Um, so that was kind of like, um, a big, a big crisis for us. So we almost went bankrupt again. Um, and who, who were the customers? Was, was it mostly domestic consumption, or was it was it you know Americans and Europeans on vacation? Who were, yeah, who about, these well, I would say about about half and half. I mean, basically, okay. I think as, if you ask what the question, what what made it work, I think is getting local customers who gave the appearance of being a popular place, which caused tourists to come. I mean, we live in a tourist area. There's nothing. Playa del Carmen doesn't have anything. And by the way, anyone listening to this, please look me up if you're ever in the area. Love to receive, love to receive people here. Um, and a lot of a is, lot is of the room in your in your studio apartment for for uh, oh, for I guests know. to sleep on the floor with you? I, I I no longer live in the one bedroom apartment. I now have a nice uh, <laughs> four four bedroom house with a pool. So yes, you're very welcome. Lovely. <laughs> and, and my children have, my children have just left home. I'm an empty nester, so we have three spare bedrooms. So anyone who wants to visit, you're very welcome. Oh boy! Oh boy! Actually, I hope this isn't public information. <laughs> I remember you said that anyone can listen to this, so maybe I shouldn't have said that. But anyways. <laughs> Um, 
So where was I? Oh yeah, so we, we opened the stores just before the financial crisis. The financial crisis hit, so that was another. Oh, and with the financial crisis came, if anyone remembers, there was a swine flu, like our first pand well, pandemic light, if you like. It was the swine flu, which um, closed down tourism for a few months in Mexico. So kind of ran down our, our reserves, almost got to zero, but pushed through it. Um, and basically, well, so almost reset back to zero, but slowly kind of started building up. The new stores were losing money again. So we kind of almost, you know, the, the store that was making money was kind of offset by the two stores losing money. And so it was really almost <clears> like a, complete, a complete reset back to where we were at the beginning. Um, but finally, another five years later, 2013, things were going well again. All stores were making money. And then we actually invested in building well, we opened another store, our biggest store, a much bigger store than the stores we had. And we built a factory um, here in Playa del Carmen. Um, before that, we were in like what we called a factory, but it was like, um, I think like 45 square, like the production area was 45 square meters, which is like 50, 500 square feet. So really tiny. <laughs> and the factories for chocolate stuff or coffee stuff or both? Both, I mean, basically for making chocolate products and for making desserts. So we, we sold desserts in our, in our cafes. Um, that was another, another learning thing is that we, we had outside suppliers for lots of these things that we intended to, you know, I will buy desserts from an outside supplier, find someone that's good, but these outside suppliers turned out to be very unreliable and or the quality wasn't good. So slowly we just kept adding more and more stuff that we did, we did in-house. Um, and in 2013, we created a like a 300 square meter factory, which is like 3,500 square feet, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and opened another big store and um, things have continued to grow. And now we're- and Presumably like, with that, you can start selling to other restaurants, yeah, right? Or yeah, are you, exactly. you're, do, you're doing some so, of that? Yeah, so we started selling our chocolate products wholesale. So now we're actually in, um, we have, Chocolate. We sell our chocolate products are available in eighty cities in in Mexico. Um, oh, wow. you know, probably I don't know, maybe one hundred and fifty different points. Um, you know, in a few different supermarkets and things. Um, and we also had the opportunity to sell to a chain in the United States. Um, one of the 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 daughter of the like CEO of this chain of natural um, like a Whole Foods competitor called natural grocers um i guess yep. she was on holiday yep. she tried one of our products really liked it and about a year later we were selling exporting to the united states and all of their stores they have 130 stores um so that was a huge jump for us as well we went went from like everybody in the company basically after finishing their usual work came in in the factory in the evenings to you know put bars of chocolate into bags put <laughs> dates on the dates on the bags and everything and um yes but it was a great it was a great experience actually because everybody came together to send this truckload of chocolate to the united states okay d dumb dumb american question I, i've got a little bit of experience in in mexico but i i don't uh, and I'm, I'm not second guessing your your original inspiration but i don't necessarily associate mexico with chocolate Okay. Uh, is, is, were you one of the first brands to attempt to, to, to sort of make that association or are there are a bunch down there that we just don't know about, or have there been others following you since you? Yeah, actually, well, you're, you're right. That was, that was our thinking from the beginning is people don't associate Mexico with chocolate, even though 
chocolate, like the culture of chocolate originated in Mexico. They think the first people to actually kind of um, toast cacao beans and grind them up and make chocolate drinks were were pre-Hispanic um, people in Mexico, which was part of our, our whole concept was to try and communicate this story um, through our brand. Um, um, since then, we've evolved a bit. Now we're, we have another, another, a slightly different focus, but um, yes, since we, when we were one of the first that really kind of launched this chocolate product <clears throat> with this Maya theme and everything, since then, there's about probably 10 other brands locally which have copied us and have the same, basically the same kind of concept, um, uh, which, you know, may, may be flattering. The problem is that tourists don't necessarily taste the quality mm -hmm. they just go for the packaging. And so we, um, you know, some people, some of them, some of our, our copiers probably sell more, more than us, but we're, well, no, I, I, I probably, probably not more than us globally, but in the same, in the, in the kind of the tourist shops, probably we're not, uh, there are other brands which probably sell more because they've copied us and have focused more on that. Whereas we've branched out and we basically have a concept which isn't designed for tourists now. We're trying to create a concept which is for for people in general. Um, and uh, so that's where we where we are now. All right. So you're still with four stores and the big uh, the big manufacturing facility, or or are there, are there more retail? Yeah. No. So we opened another. Oh, yes. Yes. I missed the crisis here, which was the pandemic, the COVID pandemic. So. Just just before the COVID pandemic, we opened the fifth store. Um, like literally in 2019, we opened our fifth store, which was a, um, a very, very pretty store. It's basically the combined learning of however many years we had at that point, which is about 2019, like 15 years of learning. We thought, okay, we'll put all of that learning into our model store. This is going to be the store we're going to use to, re or, um, sorry, tried to jump into Spanish there. Um, so it's, you know, that, this will be our model store that we're going to replicate everywhere. You know, finally we're going to do this. You know, go go with our big plan of yeah. opening 100 stores. Yeah. We created this model store, um, lo lovely store, and then a few months later, um, all restaurants must be closed. <laughs> and Mexico, unlike other com countries, had no zero support for for businesses. In fact, quite the opposite. They basically punished. Any any business which um, fired people was was punished um, economically. So we have to. Wow! You know, so you expected to you expected to shut your shut your doors and keep paying salaries somehow? Exactly. exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we got through it basically with the with the help of our team. Basically, we said you know okay we have enough money in the bank that we can pay everybody, we can fire everybody and pay three months salary, which is what the law in Mexico requires. Or we can use that same money to try and get through the next few months. Um, but we're going to ask everybody to take basically a 50% salary cut. Not, not exactly a salary cut. Basically, we said, you know, you can work half time and get half the money. Um, so how many people was this? How many, how many employees this, this have this been? Over, over 100 people at this time. Wow. Uh, so you're having tough conversations in rooms of, of a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, and we also offer, you know, if anybody wants to, if anybody wants to leave, we'll give you one month of salary. And, um, or if you want to stay with the company, you know, basically 50% time, 50% money. Um, or if everybody, if the majority agree that we'll shut down the business and just pay out three months of salary, we'll do that. So the majority what, of people what percent? What percent took the three months? Um, 
I, I don't remember. Very, very few because basically the whole, you know, we're a tourist we're a tourist town. There is nothing else except tourism. If there's no tourism, there yeah. are no jobs anywhere. Yeah. So yeah. basically the only options people had was either to return to their um, place of origin, which not, not many people come from Playa del Carmen. They come from other parts of Mexico. Or they could um, um, basically go hungry. <laughs> so so mm. no, most, some, some people left. And well, said, I mean, okay. it sounds like you're not giving yourself a credit. You probably had built up some... some uh, goodwill and capital with with yep. your employees yeah. and they, they, yeah. they probably valued that and decided to take the you know play the long game instead of cashing out exactly and i and i, I well, one thing i said to them is you know if everybody if everybody decided to shut down you know it's actually the big chain reaction that affects a lot of people we have suppliers that you know okay we shut down that's fine but then our suppliers depend on us to sell product and their families of the people that work with the suppliers also depend on us so you know, if yeah. everybody decides to shut down, it's going to create the you know a big problem. It's going to make it even bigger. So, I think we should try and tighten our belts and see it through. So, fortunately, the majority of people did that. Quite a few people did leave, like maybe ten percent or twenty percent of people left and went back to live with their parents in other cities. Um, we helped people however we could. So we started buying things like using the company money to buy food and then distributing that food to the employees, so at least they weren't going hungry. Um, that's kind of a more tax efficient way of doing things and paying salaries the way things have worked in Mexico. Um, oh, wow. That's, uh, if memory serves me correctly, Mexico was kind of a, a little, a, a little slow to open back up. So you probably had to spend more time doing this than, you know, maybe, no. maybe people North of the border. No, 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 that's not true. Okay. okay. I think Mexico, it was different in different States, but where we were, fortunately, we never actually had to shut down completely um because we are a store which sells food as well as like chocolate very essential <laughs> like, <laughs> essential businesses could remain open and essential businesses were food businesses and we decided that you know chocolate is essential um so we were able to continue op our stores open but you know there was basically very very few customers we were selling 10 percent of our normal sales is what we were selling for mm. for a few months but Fortunately, in our area, they didn't really shut down completely. They allowed people to keep coming in. So lots of digital nomads started coming to Playa del Carmen to escape the restrictions in other places. Um, and so really, I would say we were only about two, two months where we were really struggling. And then it started slowly, slowly picking back up. And by the end of the year, we were you know, like the end of 2020. We, we weren't that far away from, from normal. Um, oh wow! Oh wow! That's that's actually that's that's a lot faster than I would have guessed. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't remember the exact numbers. I mean, it's, I mean, it wasn't normal, except for one store. Our one store in Cancun never never recovered, and very sadly, we had to close that store um, last mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. So now, uh, so what what's the current uh, you know five ten year plan? Are you still trying to do world domination in a thousand uh, thousand yeah, yeah, stores absolutely. around the world? still on the cards we're still waiting for that inflection point where suddenly we're going to see exponential <laughs> exponential mm -hmm. growth so our, our BHAG a while ago uh, um, was to get to 100 cities so now we're at 80 cities so we're actually ahead of schedule on our BHAG um, in some ways although our plan was to have actually more stores of our own stores um, but lately we've been focused more on selling our products um, through, through other stores which is kind of slightly less risk um, Crime, crime is kind of a problem in Mexico. Um, there are people that ask for protection money to for businesses, that sort of thing, which we don't 
want to enter in at all. And if we did ever have any kind of direct contact with that, we'd probably close down. So, so we need to be careful there. So really what we're doing is preparing ourselves for, um, um, for opening stores in another country, we hope in one day. <laughs> oh, really? Can you, can you say which country? Um, there isn't a particular there, I mean, we don't have it narrowed down to definitely this country right now, but basically looking at Canada, Spain, UK, are the kind of most, cool. most on our radar and possibly, ex- United, possibly United States, because just because we have quite a lot of people interested in investing us in, you know, people come on vacation, they say, Oh, I love, I love this store. I want to bring it to the United States. So we have more, more investor interest from the United States, but, uh, a lot of this is lifestyle. Where would, where, where would we like to live as well? Um, yeah, so. yeah. Cool, cool. Well, uh, last question, two-parter. Um, what, uh, what can we as the community do to help you, you know, personally, <laughs> professionally, and vice versa? You know, aside from a free place stay in Cancun, uh, what, what is it that you might be able to do for, for the community of, uh, of Inseaters? Okay, well, I think um, what can a community do for me? Um, I hadn't, hadn't really thought about that. Um, well, let me answer, answer the other question first. What can I do to help people? I think um, if, any, if anybody wants advice about starting launching a business in, a, in the most difficult bootstrapping way possible, I can certainly do my best to put you off that idea. <laughs> yeah, don't do it is, is the advice, right? <laughs> pretty, pretty much, yep. Yeah. But, but also I can give you... I can give you some learning about what, what, uh, what I think if I, if I'd known then what I know now, what I would do differently. So anyone interested in that, I can certainly help. And certainly, um, I've learned, I learned a hell of a lot in this time. Um, a lot about company culture. I would consider myself maybe a culture expert now, which has been kind of key to go growing the company is having a very strong company culture. Um, and obviously the, anyone interested in anything to do with play del Carmen, scuba diving, looking, whatever you want here. We're, I'm <laughs> very happy to help. Um, what can the community do for me? I, I, uh, if I think of anything, I'll let you know. I'll post it in the chat. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, thanks so much for your time. It was really, really nice to catch up. And, and it's, a, it's, it's an inspiring story, the way you've, you've stuck with it. And you seem to be, you know, you know, really, you know, beginning to take off or, or yep. already taking off. <laughs> It's, an, it's a 20-year overnight success, I would say. Indeed, indeed. Hey, thanks so much. Okay, thank you very much, Joe, and I look forward to listening to your interview very shortly. <laughs> okay.